Amanda, remember that time a princess got stuck in the middle of World War II? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. And here we are. And we're back, back, back again with the Royals. <laughs> yes, we are. We are I back was again home with the for a long weekend for my birthday. I started watching The Crown. Now it's all I can think about, and Anna is back on the royal. Well, yeah, and we were sitting there watching it, and I've seen it before, but you ha- you were watching it for the first time. So while we were watching it, we were kind of talking about the real life people because yeah. I know a little bit more about them, and you would ask me questions about yeah. stuff. And um, you know, early on, we see Prince Philip's mother at the wedding in the show, and right. um. I was like, oh, man, she's really interesting. And I kept every time we they would even reference her while we were watching, I'd be like, man, that would make a good episode. She's so interesting. And I kept saying it. And so that's what I decided to talk about this week. Excellent. I now have significantly more opinions than I did previously Great. because I've been watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we get into it, would you like a drink update? Yes. I'm having some white wine. Ooh, a white tonight. Yeah, that's not my usual, but I had some in the fridge that I need to get I need to get through. So <laughs> Great. I'm drinking water. Here Love we that. are. Love that. Love that. All right, well, are you ready to talk about yes. Princess Alice? Yes. Of Battenberg. Yes, please tell me about her. Okay. So Alice is born at Windsor Castle on February 25th, 1885, um, and Queen Victoria is present. Queen Victoria is her great-great, I'm sorry, her great-grandmother. Excuse me. I got ahead of myself with the greats. (laughs) Um, So Alice is the oldest child of Prince Louis of Battenberg and his wife, Princess Victoria of Hesse and Byrne. And Princess Victoria is the daughter of Princess Alice, who is the daughter of Queen Victoria. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's a, lot. a lot to keep track of. Okay, so we have Queen Victoria, the, you know, the one, her. The Queen lady. of England. Her daughter, Alice, Princess Alice. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, her daughter, Victoria. Princess Victoria. <laughs> Victoria's daughter, Alice. Alice. That we're speaking Disgusting. of today. So, Disgusting. So, <laughs> it's good. We're off to a real good start with the So name. wait, then her... Okay, Victoria is her great-grandmother. Yes. Okay, yes. yes, got it. So... Victoria is both her mother and her great-grandmother. Right. And Alice is both herself and her grandmother. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, That's Lord. pretty much it. Oh, boy. So, welcome to it. Okay. I also forgot that they were technically related to Elizabeth... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forgot about that fact until just now. Well, yeah. So Elizabeth II, the current Queen of England, and her her husband, her late husband, were third cousins. Um, Oof. Yeah. That's not that bad. And so who we're talking about today, like I said earlier, is Philip's mother. That's Princess Alice of Battenberg. Right. So. I am contextualizing everything through that lens because that's what my brain is on. Right. 
So she's christened Victoria Alice Elizabeth <laughs> Julia Marie. Um, that's so that's her many. full name. It's too many. <laughs> yeah. She spends most of her childhood between Darmstadt, London, Jugendheim, or possibly Jugendheim, I'm not sure, and uh-huh. Malta. Okay. Um, And she, when she's younger, is really slow in learning to speak. Mm. And they eventually discover that it's because she is mostly deaf. Um, so she's diagnosed with congenital deafness. Um, I watched this really interesting documentary as part of my research that I can't remember, uh, like what it was called, but, um, I just searched for it. It came out, it's like a YouTube one, so it should come up like, it's like 40 something minutes and it was really good. Um, and it had some members of her family in it so you got a lot of good context for most things so Mm -hmm. i recommend it um if you can find it i stupidly forgot to put down the name so that's on me um but in this they were talking about how so she's mostly deaf and her mother was pretty insistent about like you know if you say something to alice uh don't repeat it because that's how she's that's how she's gonna learn to like figure it out which is okay um whatever like she can hear but not well Uh um but eventually she learns to lip read in at least like three languages wow she's very smart she knows german and english and she can lip read in both of those she also uh studies french and then eventually she learns greek because she marries a greek man so Mm -hmm. um she, yeah, she, um, she was really smart, despite the fact that she took a long time to, to speak. But she could, she spoke well when she did. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a ton about her childhood that I could find. Um, she spent a lot of time around her relatives, who were all royal, obviously. Um, and she, she was a bridesmaid at the wedding of. Then the Duke of York, who later became King George V, um, and Mary of Tech in 1893. George V is Elizabeth II's grandfather. Okay. So that's where we are, like, contextually. (laughs) Okay. Sort of. So so George V's father was Edward the something, um, who was was, um, a son of Victoria. Second, I think. I think so. I can't remember. Second or I third. Because I think the Nazi one is the third. third. No, no, no. No, Nazi one's he, the no, fourth. He, no, he's like the seventh. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Yeah. I've lost he's tra- a later all track. Edward. I've lost all track. Speaking of. <laughs> um, or maybe he's the eighth or something. I don't know. He's later. But in 1902, at King Edward the Seventh's coronation in London. Not the Nazi one. No. So we were wrong. I just, there were too many. Um, yeah, anyway. Alice meets Prince Andrew of Greece and Denmark, um, who is the youngest son of King George I of Greece. All of these people have he's also name. a He's also a grandson of the, the King of Denmark, which is why he's the prince of both Greek, Greece oh, and Denmark. Oh, sure. Okay, right. Um, so they meet at Edward VII's coronation, and they're married in a civil ceremony on October 6th of 1903. Um, the next day they have two religious ceremonies. So they have a Lutheran one 
And huh. then they have a Greek Orthodox one. Sure. Um, because he is Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodox, yeah. She, Alice goes to Greece, um, obviously, to live with her husband. Um, and while she's there, she adopts the style of her husband and becomes known as Princess Andrew. Huh. Which I don't know if that's like a strictly Greek tradition. That's but, interesting. Um, so most of my research from this point on would like flip back and forth between calling her Princess Alice and Princess Andrew. And it got super confusing. Huh. So I'm just going to keep calling her Princess Alice <laughs> because sure. it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so together they have, they eventually have five children. They have four girls in the span of like 10 years. They sure do. And then much later they have a boy who is Philip. So he's the only son in the family. Uh-huh. He um, sure is. He sure is. <laughs> yeah. So the girls' names are Margarita, Theodora, Cecile, and Sophie. And then They're Philip interesting. came later. They have. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're not really going to go too in depth on the daughters. Okay. Um, I'm going to sort of touch on a couple things about them. Okay. But th- I mean, it's not an episode about them. So I'm not really right. going to spend a lot of time on them. But um, right. they are definitely interesting. Um, the Greek public really likes Alice and so does the king. He, Hmm. she is like his favorite daughter-in-law, um, which is good because the Greek, uh, royal family is on pretty precarious ground, frankly, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, so Prince Andrew, her husband, continues his career in the military after they get married. Um, and she sort of gets really deeply involved in a lot of charity work. Right. And then in 1912, the Balkan Wars begin, which are some pretty intense wars um, for the Greek people. Um, and during the war, Alice leaves her home and her kids, and she goes to the front and starts opening up war hospitals. And wow. she's very hands-on as a nurse in these hospitals. Like, she develops them and puts them into place, and then she works in them. Wow. Um, and then, because of that, in 1913, King George V actually awards her the Royal Red Cross. Wow. Um, for her efforts. That's actually very cool to be a princess awarded uh an honor like that by the crown is kind of cool that's interesting yeah um yeah she her charity work is a super important part of her life Mm. and we're definitely going to talk a little more about it in a little bit um okay so balkan wars she does it she's the nurse and then (laughs) guess what another war war world war one One of the big ones, right? Yeah, it's this time of history where it just doesn't stop. Yeah. So, okay, here's what has happened. Okay. So, at this point, Alice's brother-in-law, Constantine I, is now king of Greece. Right? Their father, no longer the king. Okay. So, her husband's brother is is the king of Greece. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, the war breaks out, and he decides... We're going to adopt a policy of neutrality. Like, we're not going to get all up in it. Um, Because there is... um, There's a lot to be said about the Greeks' history 
um, particularly with Germany. They their royal families are pretty close in terms of lineage. So, you know, it's a little testy for their government to take a side, right? Okay. But there is a newly elected democracy in Greece, um, which I, again, I don't want to get like too deep into the politics of it all because it's really intense. Um, but, but the democratically elected government is supporting the allies. So this is a point of contention, right? Um, the Princess Alice and her kids are actually forced to shelter in place um, in the palace cellars during the French bombardment of Athens in 1916. Um, they're a lot less like involved in this war. They're kind of just sitting ducks, right? Because mm-hmm. the king doesn't want to take a side, but like the rest of the people in Greece definitely do. Um, and eventually, Constantine I is forced to abdicate. And the family is sent into exile, including Alice and her kids. And they live in Sweden for the next few years. Wow. Okay? We're not done yet. (laughs) Um, But part of this, I do want to touch on this real quick because um, her being Philip's mother, we don't ever refer to her, to him as being a Battenberg, right? Even though she is. He's the, a Mountbatten. Correct. Right? So this is when that happens. Okay. So I'm going to just read this quote because I think it explains it pretty well. Um, the global war effectively ended much of the political power in Europe's dynasties. The naval career of her father, Prince Louis of Battenberg, had collapsed at the beginning of the war in the face of anti-German sentiment in Britain. At the request of King George V, he relinquished the Hessian title Prince of Battenberg and the style of Serene Highness um, on July 14, 1917 and anglicized the family name to Mountbatten. So that's how they get that name. Because didn't they already also have some relatives in England who were, who had already changed to Mountbatten? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I feel like so, I was yeah. reading that when yeah. I was, I was, I was actually, this is so funny because we got on to do this episode and I was telling sis I was literally just reading about Prince Philip yesterday because I just watched an episode about his childhood and I was just trying to sort all this out in my head yesterday. Yes. Well, and also around this time, the British royal family was not Windsor yet. Right. They had a German, a more German name, Saxe-Coburg Gotha, and they change it to Windsor because it's more Anglican. Right. So... I think that happened under George V, I think. So, um, you know, that's pretty common. Yeah. Okay, so that happens. King of Greece has been deposed. The whole family's in Switzerland. Name change, all that. And then in 1920, King Constantine is briefly restored to the throne. Okay. Again, I didn't look too deep into all that because that's a lot of, like, political maneuvering in Greece. And that's not really what we're here to talk talk about. Um, so he's briefly restored and they go back to Greece, but then guess what? It's another war, the Greco-Turkish war and the surprise. Yeah. And the Hellenic army is defeated. The Greece, the Greek army is defeated and Constantine is again forced to abdicate 
And Prince Andrew. I know, right? And Prince Andrew, Alice's husband, because he was a commander in the army, is arrested. And he's put on trial. And then in June of 1921, this is when Philip is born. So her husband's on trial. (laughs) And she's like, well, and I had a baby. And guess what? It's your heir. Yeah. Because he's the boy. It's your only boy. <laughs> yep. Oof. Uh, so then in No 19- wonder Philip was the way that he oh, was. Oh, girl. We're not even close to there no. yet, but like, <laughs> oof. This is the start. This, this is, is how he was start. born. It was destined yeah. to be this way. <laughs> Pretty wild. So then in 1922. Prince Andrew is found guilty of disloyalty, um, and he does face the death sentence. And several of the ministers and general generals arrested at this time were, you know, put to death. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, the British people who have a vested interest in this family, because Alice is in this family, um, just assume that he's in danger, like, that he's going to be executed. Right. Um, but in the end, they kind of have, like, a show trial, and then they banish him instead. Um, the family actually, during the trial, like, takes their chance, and they flee. They get on a um, British warship, and they leave. Mm-hmm. And as they're fleeing, they put Prince Philip into an orange crate that they're using as like a makeshift crib so this is like a very famous story of how he yeah. got out of greece that he was like um, smuggled out of the country and right crate. i mean i don't know that he was really smuggled so much as like right. that's what they had to put him in to let him sleep or whatever um but that's it's a very famous story so they leave greece and they go to paris they stay in a house that's loaned to them by Princess George of Greece and Denmark. Um, and it's kind of on the outskirts of Paris. And when Alice gets there, guess what she does? She sets up and helps in a charity shop for Greek refugees. So she starts taking care of all the other people who have fled Greece around this time. Sure. Um, in terms of their marriage... At this point, not amazing. Um, Andrew is, like, obviously pretty embarrassed that his whole family has now gotten deposed, what, twice? Um, And he's been forced to flee his home country. Um, And Alice, as a result of this, starts to get really isolated. And she starts to get really paranoid about the people around her because remember she can't hear very well. And now she's in a new place with new people. And in the documentary, they were talking about, she would go to, you know, dinners or whatever. And people would be down the table from her laughing, but because she couldn't hear what they said, she assumed they were talking about and laughing about her. She'd get really upset and paranoid. Um, okay, so here's the real meat of Alice's whole kind of life, right? You would think it was the stuff before, but it's not. <laughs> Lord. So she starts to become very deeply religious. Um, in October of 1928, she converts to Greek Orthodoxy. Um, 
she starts to claim that she's receiving divine messages and that she has healing powers. Oh boy, this is a classic. And then she starts saying that she has this personal and intimate, take that to mean what you will, relationship with Jesus Christ, the person. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard of people like there are lots of mystics who yeah believed that but also the buddha interesting so she starts to really get this religious fervor and she starts behaving more erratically right um her mom really starts to get worried and starts taking her to you know see doctors and she is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Hmm. Um, in so I only mention this because this particular doctor becomes important here in a second. So her diagnosis is first confirmed at Ernst Simmel's sanatorium in Berlin. And after this, um, she's forcibly removed from her home and she is placed into a sanatorium in Switzerland under, okay, I'm going to try to say his name, Ludwig, nope, Bins, Bins, Wagner, I think is how you would say his name. Um, Sure, why not? And I'm going to have to say it a couple more times, so I apologize if I mess it up. Um, And around this time, sanatoriums are kind kind of new, right? So it's not terribly... um, standard yet to look to psychology early psychology to help treat conditions it's still pretty new right um but her condition is pretty severe so her mother like insists so she goes to the sanatorium in switzerland and she is again um her diagnosis is confirmed as schizophrenia um And then, okay, it's about to get sad and maybe a little bit uh, triggering and uh, a little graphic. So, sorry. Uh, Just a heads up. Okay, so. Binz Wagner and Simmel, the other doctor I mentioned a little bit ago, they decide to consult with the man himself, Sigmund Freud. Right? They're like, what should we do to treat this woman? And he thinks that her delusions are, of course he does, a result of sexual frustration. I mean, who are we talking about here? Right. But of course. So he recommends x-raying her ovaries in order to kill off her libido. Oh my god. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Uh, well, actually, no, we'll t- we'll address this now. So this is weird for several reasons, obviously. I thought you but were just going to stop there. No, no, no. <laughs> it's weird coming from Freud in particular. And you might not think it is, but it is because yeah. Freud, this is a deviation from what he usually does in his practice because he was very much 
of the mindset, uh, like, he didn't focus on biological treatment so much. He wanted you to talk, right? He thought talking about, you know, whatever it was that happened in your life. Now, he made a lot of assumptions about what may or may not have happened in your life and what kind of trauma might be causing, you know, your mental illness. But he, that was his thing, right? So it's a little surprising that he recommended this, like, biological, physical treatment, So where it comes from is that he was, I don't know, friendly with or studied with this Viennese scientist. Um, I don't remember how to pronounce his name. Steinek, I think, Um, who believed that x-rays would accelerate menopause, which would cause hormonal changes that would then cure your mental illness brought on by sexual issues. Oof. Yeah. That's So that's a lot, right? Yeah. Okay. But also, so this, the documentary was talking about how they think this idea of like, okay, at this point in time, I don't think the doctors really needed a reason to blame this on sexual frustration, but where they think it stems from in this instance is apparently... Simmel, one of those doctors, was told by one of Alice's ladies-in-waiting that Alice had, during the 20s, had this, like, romantic relationship with an Englishman, but they never, like, acted on it. It was just sort of this, like, longing. Okay. That, and, and apparently that, that apparently was led to her, her repression and, uh-huh. you know... So, she gets this treatment, and there's a lot to indicate that she was not, you know, told she would be getting this treatment. She gets taken and she gets this treatment. And then she actually discharges herself and goes home, but her mother, like, doesn't think she should be able to stay at home. She doesn't think she's well enough. Mm -hmm. But Alice just wants to be home with Philip at this point, because her daughters are older. They're, you know... Like, she wants to be home with her kid, right? Uh-huh. Um, so her mother <laughs> sends, t- takes Philip out for a picnic, right? And when Philip comes home, his mother is gone. Ugh. Because she has been taken back to the sanatorium. The poor, ugh, this sucks. This and su- like, that's the last time they see each other for quite a while. That it's so, it sucks so bad because, like... She was trying to tell them, like, I'm well enough, whether she was or not, but just trying to say, like, I'm I'm well enough. And when people are of that mindset and then are forced into mm-hmm. these situations, especially at this time, it only makes them more unwell. Of course. Yeah. It's you're you're implementing more trauma on them like she's being separated from her family and her son and you think that's not going to cause her to be unwell yeah and now you're performing these physical treatments on her that that you have no idea what the actual right in reality they have no clue what these treatments and they're making no matter what they say they're making her physically unwell yeah and she's a very sharp person so that makes you you know sad like that makes you yeah so it's rough Mm -hmm. um while she's in the sanatorium uh she and her husband uh drift apart there's not really much of a relationship there anymore right 
All of her daughters marry German princes. They sure do. And she doesn't go to any of their weddings. Oof. Because she's, you know, being held captive, basically. Um, And Philip goes to, famously, goes to the UK um, and stays with his uncles, Lord Louis Mountbatten and George Mountbatten. Um, You know, and that, what happens there happens there. Yep. Yep. I was just watching the episode about his childhood. Yeah. And going to school and being separated from them and his uh, Nazi sisters. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a lot. So she's in the sanatorium for about two, two, uh, two and a half years. Um, and then she gets to leave. Um, and she kind of lives around Europe and stays in some houses of, you know, people she knows for a little while. But then, um, she doesn't maintain really any contact with the rest of her family, except for kind of with her mom. Um, and she, she doesn't contact them really till about 1936. Um, but then in 1937... Her daughter, Cecile, and her son-in-law, and two of her grandchildren Three are, of her grandchildren. Well, what I found just, was two. Well, because she had just, Cecile had, had just oh, that's had right. another had baby. baby. Right. Like, right, what, right before or right while they were on the plane, anyway. Right, so they, they die in an yeah. accident. And yeah. so she goes to the funeral, and this is the first time she sees Philip in six years. Um, she does, Oof. after this, kind of resume a little more contact with her family, as you might imagine. Um, and then in 1938, she goes back to Greece. She goes to Athens, and she lives in a little two-bedroom apartment. Um. Wow, that is and so, just a princess, and I know. Uh, now she's living in a two-bedroom apartment. Oh, man. And she she works with the poor while she's there. And what Alice wants is for Philip to come and join her in Greece. She, you know, pretty rationally thinks, okay, I'm home now. I'm settled. My son will come back and live with me. Um, but, you know, his uncles do not want that. Um, right. They want him to stay in Britain. They want him to join the Navy, um, which he does. He does, yep. Um, okay, so let's talk about World War II, because now we're getting to Philip in the Navy. So Alice is in a pretty weird and unique position when World War II begins, because she has sons-in-law fighting on the German side, because as we have mentioned, Philip's sisters were Nazis, Mm -hmm. and her son is fighting in the British Royal Navy. Right, right, which is so, also pretty wild for Philip, too, because he spent a lot of time in Nazi Germany with mm-hmm. his sisters who were Nazis. Yeah. Oh, man. Oof. And he wasn't not close to them. No, <laughs> right? he was very close to his sisters. Um, but, and now you know, he's in the Navy. <laughs> he, But he was sort of naturalized British. Yes. Right? So... He joins the British Navy. So she's got her son fighting on one side and then her daughter's husband's fighting on the other, which is kind of wild. And she's in Athens, which is not 
the safest place during World War II. Right. Um... So she she stays there with her sister-in-law, um, who's a princess in, of Greece. They stay in Athens, while the rest of the Greek royal family actually exiles in South Africa. So they're, wow. like, the only members of the family that still there. there. She, during the war, she works for the Red Cross. She okay. organizes soup kitchens. Um she would fly to Sweden and back to collect su- supplies and she wow. would do it she would do it under the pretext of visiting her sister who was married to the prince there or the crown okay. prince there in Sweden. um yes yeah, so she had like a reason to go so she would right. go and collect supplies and bring them back wow, she, she's very involved she organizes shelters for orphaned and lost children wow and a nursing circuit for poor neighborhoods. Wow. So she kind of really cared for all of Athens. Yeah. During the war, right? After And after the, the members of that country, the members of her family in that country put her through so much. Yeah, well, I mean... Honestly, well, I the guess it wasn't of, so much. Yeah, then. it wasn't really yeah. the royal family so much as, you know, the people. But, yeah. um, well, the, you know, we would say Republicans, I guess you would say. They yeah. they really did. Um, so a lot of the, I really liked this little bit here. So the occupying forces that are, you know, coming into Athens kind of assume that she's pro-German. Right. Um, for obvious reasons. Um, but I, I liked this quote. It says, Nonetheless, when visited by a German general who asked her, is there anything I can do for you? She replied, you can take your troops out of my country. Get it, girl. Yes. Tell him. Okay, so also this is really interesting. So in September of 1943, uh, the... The Italian dictator Mussolini falls. And when that happens, the German army comes in and occupies Athens, like around right. the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some Greek Jews who mm-hmm. had been seeking refuge in Athens who were now in a lot of danger. Um, and they captured, I mean, gosh, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but... During this time, Alice actually hides a Jewish family in her home. Wow. So this this woman, she's a widow. Her name is Rachel Cohen, and she has um, two of her five children with her in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, and... they She knew this person because the family had, like, given help to I think her father-in-law at one point and she like knew they were in Athens she knew they were Jewish and that they were hiding and in the documentary I can't remember who was telling the story if it was her niece or somebody related to her said um or maybe it was somebody related to the Cohen family was talking about it um said that they would keep looking for them and one day they were passing by the apartment and Alice's maid came out and said we've we've been looking for you We've been looking for you. Come in. And she hid them up there for, like, I think a couple years. Wow. Um, which I found 
really interesting. That they were actively trying to find them to help them. And yeah. that they didn't come seeking help. They were, like, searching them out to help them. They were, they were, this family was, like, fleet. They were hiding yeah. around the city trying to get out. And they said, no, come in, we'll help you. Yeah. Um, and in the documentary, they were saying, um, you know, at one point, a member of the Gestapo came to her house. And, you know, they were, like is there anyone here with you? Cause that's what they would do. Right. And she, because she was deaf, even though she could hear them pretended like she couldn't, she was Iconic. like, Hmm. Sorry. What? You're going to have to speak up. Hmm. What? Can't hear you. So sorry. That's she was incredible. just like, hmm? hmm. And pretended she couldn't hear them. And then they left. Good for her. <laughs> Which I thought was like iconic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's hiding this family. Um, but she is not doing great. Um, Athens is liberated in October of 1944. And it she had been living in some bad conditions. Um, so she eventually writes to her son and, and admits that she basically had no food except bread and butter and no meat for several months. Wow. She had not been living very well. Um, it's still not going great, right? It's, the communists are now there, um, trying to get control of the capital, and, um, during this time, she finds out, also, by the way, your husband has died. Oh. Um, so she never gets to reunite with him, like, she doesn't see him. Although, they weren't really in a good relationship at that point, anyway. No, but still, like, oof. They hadn't seen each other since 1939. Man. Um, so, the fighting is still going on, right? Because the communists are trying to get control of the capital. They're fighting the British, right? And I, again, thought this was interesting. Um, So I'm going to read this little quote. During the fighting, to the dismay of the British... She insisted on walking the streets, distri- distributing rations to policemen and children um, in contravention of the curfew order. When told that she might have been struck by a stray bullet, she replied, They tell me that you don't hear the shot that kills you. And in any case, I am deaf. So why worry about that? <laughs> oh, my God. That's incredible. So she does make it through the war. Not in the best of conditions, but she makes it. Um, despite, you know, literally walking through the streets in the middle of, you know, battles. Uh-huh. Um, and then in April of 1947, she gets to go to the UK, which she hasn't been to since she was, before she was married, right? So wow. she returns to the UK for the wedding of her son, Philip, to Elizabeth. Right. Um. She still had some of her jewels and she had some of them used in Elizabeth's engagement ring, which Aww. I thought was interesting. Um, the daughters were not invited. Her daughters were not invited. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, by the way. But this means that this is the only one of her children's weddings that she got to attend. The only wow. one. And then she ends up being the queen. And 
How could she have known? No, I know. At this point, right? he's, he's well. She is set to inherit. I thought I was point. gonna say that she's she's in in line at this point. Yes, yeah. her father is Elizabeth's is father is on the throne. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So, in January of 1949, she decides. Alice decides that she is going to create a Greek orthodox nursing order of nuns huh imagine Um, waking up one day and deciding you're going to create an order of nuns well i think she probably had been thinking about it for a while but you know what i mean it's kind of her thing i am going to make a new order of nuns well i I can't i don't know who the last person who has thought that has been i don't know remember that her religious fervor did not really go away even after the asylum um right Uh, She's going to call it the Christian Sisterhood of Martha and Mary, which is modeled after a convent that her aunt, um, who was the Grand Duchess Elizabeth Fedorovna in Russia, had had founded there. Now, okay, so here's another thing about Alice, right? Like, not only was all that stuff happening with the rest of her family, but, like, her aunts were executed by Bolsheviks in Russia, before, you know right. what I mean? So like, oh, there's, man. A, there's a lot going on. For it's her. also this this time in, in history and in Europe where like all of those royals were very oh, mixed yeah. up together and they oh, all have very complicated lines. And some of those royal families were starting to fall and other ones were still upheld and like, oh, it's mm-hmm. just a lot. Yeah. So she trains to become a nun on the Greek island of Tinos. Um, she establishes a home for the order um, in the north of Athens. And she actually takes two different tours of the United States in 1950 and 1952 to raise funds for it. Wow. Um, in the documentary, it's interesting. They talk to some people who like were around when this was happening and they were like, you know, she took care of all, of, like, she took us in. She took, you know, she took care of a lot of orphan children during all mm-hmm. this. But eventually the order fails because they can't get enough um, members, basically. To get it going. Yeah. But in 1953, she goes back to England to attend Elizabeth II's coronation. Right. Um, she wears a two-tone gray dress and wimple in the style of her nun's habit. So there are pictures of it. Obviously, the coronation was televised, so you can see it. They've got this huge procession, and they're all in these gowns and all this stuff. And then and jewels there's a and lone, all this stuff. There's a lone nun walking <laughs> down. I mean, it's kind of wild to look at. And it's the queen's mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. <laughs> In 1960, she visits India. She goes at the invitation of, I'm sorry, I might mess this pronunciation up, um, Rajkumari Amrit Kaur, um, who was an activist in Mm. India, um, because Alice is really interested in the religious thought there. Um, So she's kind of going on a spiritual quest. Uh, It doesn't last very long because she gets sick and she has to leave. Um, but I just found that interesting. Um, so her hearing is getting worse as she's getting older. Her health is not doing great. Um, and she leaves Greece for the last time, 
um, following the April 21st, 19, or, I'm sorry, 1967 Colonel's coup, which I assume is another coup that went down in Greece. Um, and when this happens, Elizabeth and Philip invite her to stay with them. So she goes to live in Buckingham Palace. Mm. Um, so, you know, she ultimately is not there for terribly a long time because again she's not doing great um a lot of people think she's totally senile but she's not really she's pretty mentally sharp she's just physically really really frail mm-hmm. um and i also think a lot of people kind of already thought that she was um predisposed well, yeah. to be yeah, senile because she had been in a mental institution and had yeah. a religious fervor that a lot of people didn't really understand especially right. in that very like sensible royal family you know well like, they that's thought just she not, was senile yeah. when she was in her 40s so, right right you know. yeah so on december 5th 1969 is when we went to the moon um <laughs> that was such a quick one thank you um alice passes away at buckingham palace mm-hmm. she has no possessions at this point. I think she had like five dressing gowns or something. Wow. Because um, she had given everything away. She sold all her jewels to start the convent. Right. And she had given pretty much everything else away. Wow. Um. Initially, she her remains are placed in the royal crypt in St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. Which is where she was born, by the way. Remember, Windsor. Mm-hmm. Um, but before she died, she had actually said that she wanted to be buried at the convent of St. Mary Magdalene on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Like, she wanted to be buried there. Wow. Um, so that's a pretty hefty request. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Philip actually does a lot of negotiating to, to make it happen. Let her be there. Yeah, and she is moved there on August 3rd of 1988. Um, Philip goes and he visits the grave. And it's actually the first time a member of the British royal family visits Israel when he goes. I Um, mean, Israel hadn't been in Israel for very long at that point, but still. No, but I mean, even that, like, area of the world, they had not really been there in many, 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 many years. Interesting. Um, on October 31st of 1994, um, her two surviving children, so Philip and then also Princess George of Hanover, they go to Yad Vashim, which is the Holocaust memorial um, in Jerusalem. And they're there for a ceremony where she, Alice, is awarded the she's honored as righteous among the nations which is like the highest wow yeah award you can get from them yeah at the holocaust memorial yeah wow um for hiding the cohen family in her home right let alone all the rest of the work that she did yeah and then in 2010 she's post mm, posthumously named a hero of the holocaust by the british government wow so that That's was so Alice. interesting. She's a fascinating person. She, you know, I, she went from being a princess to a nun in a Holocaust 
hero. Like, yeah. what? It's, it's wild. I, I obviously skipped over a lot of the, like, Greek conflict and stuff, There's which is also it. interesting, but I just wanted to get to the parts that affected her. Because, uh-huh. um, you know, that's what we're talking about. So, sorry if it felt like I left some stuff out there, but, um, yeah, she, I mean, it, it was just non-stop. Yeah. Non-stop in yeah. her life. It's After like the if, Balkan Wars broke out. Yeah, like her, she just lived a life so unlike any of the other yeah. popular royals that yeah. you think of off the top of your head. Like, I'm sure there were other royals who experienced life like that, especially at this time period when sure. all of their regimes are falling and whatever. But you think about, like, her being the mother-in-law of the Queen of England. And you right. think about the way that Elizabeth was raised and right. the rest of her so family in the lives that they live they lived and like she had a little bit of that when she was very young and she married into another royal family and then the entire situation was destabilized and she like yeah. went from being think- a princess to being just any other person doing yeah. putting in hard work during world war ii yeah i certainly think that at a certain point, she she probably just stopped considering herself a princess. Absolutely, like yeah. she never really. That's the other thing. Like during the war, she it's doesn't not really like lose she, the title aside from when the his her brother well, yeah. has to abdicate. But like, but it's not like she's out there, like, well, I'm a princess, and yeah. using that power really right. at all. She's just doing her charity work, mm-hmm. and she is. I mean. Yeah, so her husband is, you know, their whole family, that whole mess. But she is a princess in her own right. So it doesn't yeah, even really outside of matter that. what yeah. happens to him, right? Mm-hmm. So that, she's I mean, still that's a descendant why, of Victoria. That's why we still call her Alice of Battenberg, because she maintained, she never lost that title. Right. For any reason. I mean, mm-hmm. other than they changed the family name, but to like Mount she Batten, was not, she wasn't in England, so didn't really matter. Why, why would it right? really affect her very much? Yeah. Right. So... I mean, it's just, she's a fascinating person and really did a lot, a lot, kept a lot of people safe and like real work, right? Yeah. Like she, I mean, she was a real proper nurse and cared for a lot of children and yeah, it, it just makes you wonder like how different would Philip have been as a person had he been able to stay with his mother? Yeah. But he, he probably wouldn't have married Elizabeth. No, because he wouldn't have been in England. No. No. And he well, wouldn't have had the standing. Well, he wouldn't have had the standing. Right? He's interesting for a lot of reasons also because, like, he also could have really easily fallen into the German side of that war. Very easily. Because he right, lived but he with wasn't, his sisters the adults in Germany in for a his, long time. The adults in his life were ensuring that he didn't. Right. 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 Because his uncle was very ambitious in Britain and wanted mm-hmm. this kid to... I mean, he's really the the reason, he's really the reason that Philip is able to marry Elizabeth. Yeah. Frankly. Uh Uh-huh. So. But, like, he he could have really gone any of those ways, right? Like, he could have been stuck in Germany. And. He could have been stuck in Greece. He could have been stuck in Greece with his mom, or stuck in Germany with the Nazis, or fighting in the Royal Navy during World War II. It's wild. It's a, it's the a fact that the life web. that she lived kind of split like that is so yeah. interesting. And it's sad, though, because, you yeah. know, she got ripped away from the only kid she really had left because her other kids were grown, basically, by that point. Mm-hmm. And her only son, which mm-hmm. is just a different bond, I guess, probably. Mm-hmm. 
at least in that time, mm-hmm. it was a different bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, because having a son meant something different than having a daughter, which is uh, buck wild. But, uh, I mean, we talked about that a lot when we talked about the Romanovs. Because, yeah. whew, whew, Alexei was treated very differently than his also older and many sisters. Uh-huh. Really interesting how Alexei and Philip kind of parallel. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But then their lives turned out extremely different. Yeah. And that Alexei's didn't really turn out much. Yeah. Sadly enough. Yeah. Anyway, so she's fascinating. Was fascinating. Person. It was really interesting. I'm glad you liked it. I yeah. really enjoyed learning about her. I mean, I knew some of it already, but mm-hmm. um, digging into it a little more, she was... Yeah. Yeah, and Very I didn't harrowing know, princess. <laughs> she really I didn't went really it. have a an idea of like her role in the war. Yeah. Um well, it reminds yeah. me of like a lot of the work that people were doing in Paris when France was being yes. occupied. It was like, a similar situation very, yeah. in Athens. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. And which is, an, again, like I know a lot about the situation in Paris. I know a lot less about the situation in Athens and the fact that it's mm-hmm. it was so it, similar. It was pretty similar. Yeah. Athens was, I think. There was more communist influence in Athens. I than think there was in Athens Paris. was like smaller potatoes to the Germans. Yeah. Um, until they needed it, right? right? It wasn't Paris was like the prize. Yeah. Right. So, and you know, it might have been different because again, like the Greeks could have easily sided with the Germans, mm-hmm. but that's not what happened. So mm-hmm. thankfully, yeah. so um, yeah, it was like a really interesting. It's an interesting snapshot of the war, her her life and yeah. her situation, just yeah. like as a as a frame of World War Two. The yeah. things that she experienced are very. It's a very interesting and unique like perspective on the the war as a whole. I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was Alice. Yeah, it's a good one, sis. I think she was amazing. Yeah. Um, I know the British royal family had kind of a low opinion of her, but. Uh, I have a much higher opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a low opinion so, on a few members it. of the royal family. <laughs> suck it, British royal family. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but uh, well, no, a I couple will, of them. They're a couple colonists. Of them they're colonists, so yeah. You know, and, 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 a, and a couple of them specifically can suck it. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, so that was Alice. I'm glad <laughs> you found it interesting. I hope everybody else found it interesting. Um, I, I don't know what's coming next. No clue. No clue at all. Um, But we'll yeah, figure it, it out. Yeah. Well, we'll have to, won't we? Uh-huh. Um, if anybody has suggestions for things they'd like us to talk about in the future. um, Oh, I think this was suggested by someone at some point. I'm so sorry. I don't like I forgot to consult the list, so I'm not sure who it was. But if you were the person who suggested this, thank you. Um. If it happened at all, who knows? My memory is not great. Um, If anybody has suggestions for other things they'd like us to talk about, um, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us uh, on Twitter at rttpod. And we would really love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you want to find me online on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Did it. Did it. Well, folks, until next time. (laughs) Remember that time.